Ivan Basterlord can trace everything that happened back to one specific day. It began in 2019. Soldiers linked to Russia were occupying the Donbass region of Ukraine, including the city where he lived, Luhansk. And fighting was all around. The Ukrainian jet fighters were flying overhead to bomb the neighboring town. And one night, there was powerful shelling, started a powerful shelling. We're speaking with Ivan through a Russian interpreter, and he wanted us to call him Ivan for reasons that will become clear in a moment. Ivan's mother had chronic kidney stones at the time. And that day, in the middle of a barrage of shelling, she started to experience incredible pain. And nobody could actually come to the rescue. There was no 911, no ambulance service. Ivan knew he needed help, so he ran outside, desperate to find someone. And he saw a neighbor in a car driving toward him. I saw the the neighbor coming out, driving from around the corner, and I simply just came up and laid on the hood. He lay on the hood of the car. And I said, help, get us to the hospital, and I will give you anything. The neighbor agreed and took them both to the hospital, and the crisis was averted. But then there was this matter of paying for the treatment. We brought mother to the hospital and I was coming uh, home. Had no money at that time. There was an opportunity to purchase medicine for credit. So he agreed. He paid for her treatment on credit. But he realized that now he had a new problem. I thought that this debt actually will have to be repaid. And he thought, but how? He was living in the Russian-controlled part of the Donbass, he wasn't making much money working as a graphic designer, and clearly he wasn't going to get a job in any sort of traditional way, given that war was all around him. But he did have one other skill, one that he really hadn't been using. Since childhood, I took interest in hacking. Just a passing interest. I was always curious i uh, shown interest to the various forums and various breaking in, but I never got to use them. I never used them. Until, that is, the day his mother had that health scare. That day, he realized he needed to get creative about earning money. I returned home and I went to forum. A dark web forum where hackers hang out. And I wrote my first ad. And in that ad, I highlighted that I need money and I'm not afraid of work in any country of the world. Uh, so one man approached me through this. As it turned out, his nickname ended up being National Hazard Agency. National Hazard Agency. And this hacker told Ivan that he had a job opening. He was looking for a spammer, someone who would send unwanted messages in bulk to a wide variety of people in order to spread malware, or to trick its victims into divulging personal information. Some extortion might be involved as well, he added. And if Ivan would do this, the man told him, he would pay him $300 a month. This was just enough money to cover the expenses, or at least for a time being. Ivan would learn that the man who responded to his ad wasn't just a random hacker. But as I found out later, this man happened to be almost one of the rebel founders. Revil, or R-Evil, one of the most damaging cybercrime syndicates in the world. 
And in a blink of an eye, Ivan had gone from a son wanting to help his mom to the depths of the cybercrime world. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. Today, a portrait of a hacker as a young man. We're calling him Ivan, but he's better known online as Bastard Lord. And he's at the center of a new report due out later this week from John DiMaggio, a senior researcher at Analyst One. John shared the report exclusively with Click Here and put us in touch with Bastelord, a rare chance to have a candid conversation directly with a hacker who worked with some of the world's top cyber criminal gangs. And then he tried to teach a whole new generation to follow in his footsteps. Is this your first podcast? The, the. Yes, yes. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Um... So let me just try and understand. Do you, do you see yourself as a hacker? How do we describe you? Um, Let's put it this way. An extortionist retired. Retired extortionist. Okay. And he said his story was a complicated one. If I tell you the complete story of it, it's probably going to take about 15, 20 minutes. We ended up talking for more than an hour. And while we were able to confirm some of what he told us, we couldn't independently confirm all of it. But what's undeniable is that Bastard Lord has quite a hacker resume. He's kind of a zealot of hackers. He started with Revil, but has since made the rounds in the cyber criminal world. And since 2019, I worked for Revel, but I didn't have the access to the panel. I was invited to LogBit, but at the same time, I was working for Abaddon. Plus, I also worked for RensomX. All major players in the cyber underworld. And the cybersecurity researchers who track him say Bastard Lord cut his teeth the way a lot of hackers do, on phishing attacks. They said he had a real gift for it, not just technical skills, but the social ones. Bastard Lord somehow knows just what to write in an email that will get someone to click even though a little voice in their head is telling them they probably shouldn't. If you ask Bastard Lord to describe his specialty, he says he sells access. I would actually describe myself as searcher for access or access broker. Access broker. It's a short title for a very complicated thing that has helped fuel this golden age of ransomware we seem to be in. Simply put, to hold a network ransom, you have to get into it first, and Bastard Lord and brokers like him help people do exactly that. John DiMaggio of Analyst One says in the hierarchy of the hacker world, 
access brokers are a fundamental part of the cybercrime business model. Not everyone has technical skills to just directly hack into an organization's network. There's a whole other larger part of that population that you don't read about every day that don't necessarily have the ability to successfully and easily compromise, you know, a Fortune 500 company or a company that's going to have a lot of money to pay. So, John said, cyber criminals turn to people like Bastardlord. One of the ways to get around that is just buying the access. In other words, he does the breaking in and then holds the door open for customers so they can do what they will once they're inside. But Bastardlord didn't want to do all this himself. He got an urge to, I guess you could say, give back, which is what made him the talk of the dark web forums more recently. He put together a two-volume manual that people who've seen it tell us could teach just about anyone to launch a ransomware attack. No prior experience required. I already knew he had trained people and from seeing conversations that he's been in and, and people talking about their account of, of working with him. And one of the things that was seemed really interesting to me was that he seemed to sort of enjoy giving back to that community because someone once helped him and he wanted to sort of return that favor and help upcoming criminals. He never forgot that one of the founders of Revil helped him out. John says it seems like he wanted to create a community of young hackers that he helped nurture and bring along. The creation of a manual was a tangible way of doing that. Think of it as one man's underground version of one of those old Coding for Dummies workbooks. But instead of putting a CD-ROM in your computer and working on some hypothetical exercises, you get the real thing. And when, when he put the first ransom manual out there, you know, that was how he was making money. He was giving the manual and tools away for free. The manual and tools to launch a ransomware attack once you're in someone's network. If you couldn't hack into a network on your own, well, he could help you out there too. But for a price. He'd charge you a fee to let you into a network he'd already compromised. Because most people buying it wouldn't have the skill to just build hack into a, you know, a target environment. And he's giving you an environment he already has access to so you can learn. The administrator for Lockbit, that ransomware gang that Bastard used to work with, summed up the manual in one word. Brilliant. John said the book's production values were top-notch. The manual had such professional art, and it was not just, it wasn't like it was just drawings. They were, you know, in color. These were, this was somebody's baby. This was something someone put a lot of time and effort into, and uh, and it was just, it was, it was honestly, the, the art was beautiful. When you say it has artwork and it was colorful, it had screenshots, I mean, what can I compare it to? Honestly, a, a, a professional comic book. That's what it, that's what it reminded me of. Bastard put out a second volume more than a year later, in December of 2022. But this time, John said, Bastard had adopted a completely different monetization strategy. He offered to sell the manual and complete rights to it for $200,000. When he couldn't drum up interest, he decided to sell a limited number of copies for $10,000 each. He said he'd terminate distribution once the manual sold out so that all its secrets would only be known and used by a select few. It was like he was selling a numbered print of something that he thought was rare. And just as it seemed like he was an artist at the top of his game, abruptly, soon after releasing that second manual, he made an announcement no one expected. He said he was retiring. But not everyone thinks he came to that decision on his own. He made mistakes in OPSEC that allowed us to hunt him. 
and find him and eventually get him to retirement. Stay with us. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It didn't occur to Bastard Lord that writing a manual that made hacking easy would surface a whole new set of problems. He started getting, for a hacker at least, the wrong kind of attention from people like this guy, Juan Ignacio Nicolosi. So are you kind of hanging around in dark web forums all the time? 24-7. <laughs> that is a lot of time. Juan is an investigator at ProDAF, a Swiss cyber threat intelligence company. And Juan says he's been tracking Bastard since July 2022 because ProDAF doesn't just protect people from cyber attacks. They actually hunt the people who are behind them. Let's put it this way. We're not afraid of the malware. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. And among the cyber criminals he was tracking, Bastard Lord struck him as someone with an interesting mind. Bastard Lord uh, behaves as a criminal, but also we can see a professional behind the scenes. He didn't seem like the usual hacker, driven by ego or by a need to take down the man. He actually was kind of businesslike, just hacking to make a buck. Bastard Lord saw his manual as just a new product, furthering his brand. Juan saw it very differently. He saw Bastard Lord, a guy who was very good about being bad, weaponizing his knowledge. So Juan and his team actually got their hands on a copy of the manual. And though we asked, they wouldn't say exactly how they did that. We gave visibility to a server. We didn't buy it. We don't give money to criminals. Right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So is it right to characterize this as sort of hacking back? You broke into their server? Mm, we gave visibility. What does that mean? <laughs> it means we gave visibility that we're able to look inside. And then they told everyone about it. In fact, they announced they had it on social media. And one said they did that not only to advertise it, but to actually shut it down. Among other things, the manual pointed to holes in specific networks. And if the manual was shared, either publicly or with the people who ran the networks Bastard Lord had targeted, then those vulnerabilities he had found to break in would get patched, and the manual would be worthless. This was, of course, a huge blow to Bastard Lord's business. But then he started to worry about something even worse. He feared ProDaft would also reveal his identity, which might get him arrested. So he had told a researcher that we talked to that he thought you guys were trying to dox him. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Why does that get a laugh? Yeah, we're not doxing him. We're hunting him. That's two different things. Soon after ProDef said they had secured the manual, Bastard Lord announced he was retiring. And while it might seem like cause and effect, Bastard Lord told us there was a lot more to it. Um, My psychological condition substantially deteriorated lately. 
By his own account, the unraveling began with a very disturbing phone call. From high-ranking FSB official who requested that I showed for interrogation. The FSB is the intelligence arm of Russia, and just before the interrogation request, the Russian authorities had rounded up lower-level members of Revel, that ransomware group we talked about before. Bastard thought the call might be about that. That, to some extent, caused some panic in me, but as it turned out... As it turned out, the call had nothing to do with hacking, nothing to do with technology at all. It had to do with where he lived. Someone from his town had attacked a target in Russia. And they thought that uh, people from the community knew about it, so they were started summoning people from the community. And, and so you must have been so relieved. You know, my nervous stress was like at the capacity. After that, he was so on edge that even the simplest things took on a sinister meaning. For example, when someone approached him outside his bank after he made a simple withdrawal, the stranger just walked up to him. Um, he said something like, well, did you take all the money or something left? He was a bank manager, a bank employee, or was it a stranger? No, there was a man from the street. Ivan's mind flew to every eventuality. Was it an accident that this man approached him right in the view of the bank camera, as Bastard Lord thought? Or was he trying to bait me into saying something on camera? Were the authorities trying to send him a message? Was the stranger a gangster? Some member of the mob? Turned out there was a simply a drunkard person who simply tried to approach me in front of the bank. That's how it was. But it was scary. No, it was scary. Yes. Whatever it was, whoever it was, Bastard Lord was rattled. He said not long after that, he started receiving increased threats from people in the hacker community. And then the people at ProDaft seemed intent on unmasking him. And he said all this coming all at once got him thinking about quitting while he was ahead. No. So it was piling up as a snowball, and at that point I was actually being treated by medical remedies from panic attacks. So in order to successfully complete this, I needed to wrap this whole thing up. He said his goal had been to earn a million dollars, and while he didn't quite get there because, among other things... Uh, well, I have to say I lost about $300,000 by investing as in cryptocurrency. He sent us a screenshot of how the fallen crypto had pounded him. But even with those losses, he said he had enough money to care for his whole family. We don't drive Ferrari, as many people think, and we don't buy expensive things. And he said he now has a hacking crew that's pretty self-sufficient, and he doesn't need to be on the cyber front lines anymore. So he and the crew made an agreement. Since he taught them what they know, they'll give him a 20% cut of everything they make from now on. He doesn't have to be involved. Yeah, let's put it this way. I completely distanced myself from this business and I'm making a passive percentage. Got it. Okay. So if you're trying to explain to people why you did all this, how do you explain it? I'm a 
from a poor family. And that was a great opportunity to earn some money. It was just a financial opportunity. There's nothing else behind it. Do you feel guilty about it? No, not really. For the companies that were paying me enough money to cover their expenses, what, what I'm making is just pennies for them. So because it was companies and not people, you think it's it's not as bad? Um, I think more yes than no. I think this company has enough money to pay all the expenses. And I think people who work for them do not really suffer a lot. He said his mother has her own place in the apartment block next to his now, and he's building a house in Russia. When I asked him where he would be five years from now, whether he'd have a family and a regular job, he said he'd have all those things. I have other hobbies, but I'm not going to divulge them since I can de-anonymize myself. The thing about Bastard Lord's retirement is that no one we talk to in the cybersecurity world believes him. No one thinks Bastard Lord is actually going to retire to Adasha in Russia and work on his hobbies. Juan said that doesn't fit the profile. We prefer to think he's preparing or just changing names. We don't think he's retiring. He, we just think it's a good post in order to move himself to the other side and try to reform his entire operation. John DiMaggio doesn't think he'll exit stage left either, though I did ask him whether Bastard Lord's mentoring and manual writing make him a different breed of cybercrime. Does this make him a kinder, gentler hacker? <sighs> That's an interesting question. I don't know if I would use the words kinder or gentler, but more relatable. And if I was to have met Bastard under different conditions, let's say at a bar, I can have a drink and talk to him, and he seems like a regular, personable type of guy. At the same time, he does harm people, and he does harm companies, and he does, you know, these, these malicious attacks do have an effect on people, their lives, their retirement, their getting food on the table. It does have an effect. So. I do 100% know that he knows the difference between right and wrong, but he has chosen to keep doing it. This is Quick Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. A recent massive hack that hit a popular provider of internet-enabled voice calls, called 3CX, was more widespread than originally thought. It turns out it was actually part of a two-step supply chain attack. Hackers thought to be linked to North Korea compromised 3CX so it could target its customers. And then they used that compromise to crack into a financial services company called Trading Technologies. That allowed them to target two critical infrastructure energy targets in the US and Europe. How did it all start? Mandian traced it back to a malicious version of Xtrader software downloaded by an unwitting 3CX employee. A Chinese language threat group known as Genesis Day or Tang Snake targeted a dozen South Korean research and academic institutions in January. Their goal was to steal data, according to researchers at Recorded Futures Insect Group. Recorded Future News is an editorially independent arm of Recorded Future. Insic said, based on the analysis of the group's telegram channels, among other things, Tang Snake is a hacktivist group primarily motivated by Chinese patriotism. They're hacking for the nation, not for money. 
and it will likely conduct similar cyber attacks against Western and NATO targets. And finally, in an interview at the Cyber UK conference in Belfast with the record's Alexander Martin, the White House's acting national cyber director, Kimbo Walton, said she saw the U.S. playing too much defense in cyberspace. We need to get ahead of the adversary. We need to develop a cyberspace that is resilient. So defensible, yes, but also resilient so that when our defenses fail, and they will sometimes, um, that it's not catastrophic. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director, and Will Jarvis is our producer. Sarah Wyman is our writer-reporter. And this show was mastered by Gabriella Glitt. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. And our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to John DiMaggio, as well as interpreter Steve Laguten. And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts, or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Temple-Raston. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.